Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today about securing the new IT infrastructure. It's my pleasure to be speaking with Roji Ullman. He's Managing Director of Financial Services with CenturyLink Technology Solutions. Roji, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Tom. I'm delighted to, uh, to be able to join you and your audience. So, Rosie, let's jump right into it. How do you see evolving security threats putting new demands on a bank's legacy IT infrastructure? Yeah, it's interesting, Tom. We think a lot of this is driven by, and you know, the fact that consumer behavior is changing. And if you, you know, any, anybody today, you do so much of your computing on mobile devices, you do phones, you do tablets, and there's the expectation that there's a seamless ability for you to interact with your service providers, including banks. The issue is that the control that banks used to have on their touch points with you have have changed from you know branch ATM and perhaps telephone to all of these different screens. The interesting thing about that is, of course, that the expectations that users have about security hasn't changed at all, right? So they're they're acting in what we could we would consider a less secure manner than in the past because they take for granted that all of these things are are secure. So the bank has many many more access points um, that they that they need to protect against. Um, the second thing that comes with that is in an effort to build platforms that meets. The, the, the demands of their customers, right? Everyone wants to interact on their iPhone and their Android device. That's two technology platforms plus a website plus, you know, potentially your, your legacy components as well. You've got a much bigger infrastructure than you used to. And where in the past you may have, the, the infrastructure may have been fairly homogenous, nowadays because of the demands of the end user platform, these are actually quite different with different vulnerabilities and a different set, right? So you have your end customers acting in a, in a riskier manner and the zones of security that you're responsible for have increased greatly. So, Roji, in recent months, it hasn't been just security threats we've been talking about, but security breaches. How are the implications of these breaches even more costly for banking institutions versus organizations in other industries? You know, what we've seen over the past decade or so is an evolving shift from you know, the, these, these sort of breaches or, or attacks being perpetrated by individual groups or an individual former employee or even hacktivists. And now this has become, this has moved away from pure criminality into nation-state sponsored activity. You know, there were lots of reports about, you know, foreign intelligence agencies and foreign military bodies conducting uh, cyber scans and assaults against critical national infrastructure assets. And frankly, as we all learned during the financial crisis, banks are a critical part of our infrastructure. They are, you know, our economy is a national security a- asset, right? So these, the, these are specifically pointed, targeted activities being carried out by folks uh, who, who, who are, you know, beginning to poke at, uh, you know, at, at the boundaries to see what our vulnerable points are. Frankly, the risks that, that that banks undertake are significantly different than, than in other industries, simply because, uh, you know, by, by nature of the service that they provide, there is a lot of regulatory scrutiny on cybersecurity as implemented by banks. Uh, there's lots of focus on customer privacy and how data is handled. We expect that regulators will start imposing much much stricter standards and and potentially even greater liabilities on banks, you know, who are supposed to be secure carriers of private information as opposed to other industries. Roger, can you describe some of the business benefits that your customers have gained in adopting what you call a hybrid IT approach? What we call hybrid IT is is what we believe is a step in evolution from sort of legacy IT environments to the you know the bright sunny future of cloud-based computing that we see, you know, some point in the future. 
I think it comes from a recognition that while for new applications and new services, most people would, would naturally look to cloud-based tools in order to develop these, that most modern enterprises, particularly in the banking space, you have a tremendous environment of legacy applications that you are going to need to support, you know, for the foreseeable future. So it's just not feasible to take, you know, a mid-sized bank and say, I'm just going to, I'm just going to migrate all of my IT to, to the cloud. It's just, it just isn't practical to do. So our answer to that is that we'll provide a suite of services that offer you cloud-like economics, right? So by cloud-like economics, we mean very little CapEx up front. You pay for what you use and, and resources when you don't need them can disperse back and, and, and you only pay for, you know, elastic demand over time. So we can give you the capability to, to support existing applications with cloud-like economics, but on very, very secure, dedicated infrastructure. So uh, not only do you get adv take advantage of the low CapEx and, you know, moving to OpEx and paying for what compute resources you use, you also gain the advantage of not sharing infrastructure with you know, perceived insecure applications as well. So you can you, you can run this privately. And we believe that that spectrum of services from dedicated private all the way to fully public for application components that need it gives banks, you know, a, a large number of tools in their in their tool chest that they can leverage, you know, depending on their needs at any point in time. Roji, often we talk about banks, we think of the biggest ones, but what do you see as some of the challenges that mid-sized banks face around compliance and how would an IT infrastructure provider help them meet these challenges? Well, you know, the alleged breach of J.P. Morgan was actually quite informative. You know, there are reports that uh, J.P. Morgan spends, you know, a couple of hundred million dollars a year on cybersecurity, right, to specifically protecting the assets that were allegedly breached. So if an institution of that size, which spends so much energy, time, and, and money protecting those assets can be vulnerable, I think it makes it very, very challenging for smaller institutions to compete, right? Simply, you know, there are two things. One, obviously, the cash expenditure, and two, the talent that you need to recruit in order to be able to protect your infrastructure is scarce as well. You're, you're not just competing against other banks. You're also competing against the likes of Facebook and Apple and Google, right, for pulling for those resources. So I think the challenge that, that, that mid-sized institutions have, you need to come to the realization that it's very, very difficult for you to execute that on your own, right? I mean, but, you know, assuming that you get the right people, you potentially can, you know, and the decision you need to make is, you know, whether this is a core competency and a competitive differentiator for you or not. In our view, low levels of IT infrastructure, particularly, you know, at, at the infrastructure layer when we talk about things like servers and data center and, and operating system, are highly commoditized, Right? What you spend on servers and maintaining your operating system and maintaining your data center is probably pretty close to what your competitors spend, and it confers no competitive advantage to you over time. So going with an, with an infrastructure provider who can offer hybrid IT capability allows you to leverage their scale and allows you to, to dedicate resources, you know, both, both financial and your talent, into building you know, long-term competitive differentiation for you. And I think, you know, while the big guys can play in that space, I think for, for the medium and small guys, it's a, it's a much, much clearer decision. When it comes to securing this new IT infrastructure, what are some of the key lessons learned from your own customers? We, we as a service provider, we're lucky enough to have a broad view across industries, and not just uh, banking, but we've got extensive capital markets customers who are protecting trading applications and infrastructure. 
you know, we host some 20% of the U.S. equities market and about 40% of the electronic FX market. And we've also had a view into, uh, you know, into healthcare and the retail space. I think, I think the thing that we've broadly recognized is that, you know, when you're thinking about outsourcing anything, it's always dangerous to compare what your outsourcer provides to the sort of platonic ideal of security that doesn't actually work. Uh, most of the times when we go in and take a look at, at, at somebody's IT operation, what you find is that most people have a difficult time complying with best practices. And this isn't because they're not spending time or effort thinking about it. It's just a fact that IT is changing so, so rapidly. It's difficult in light of all the other demands on your time to focus exclusively on this. So I think there's always, you know, there's always a, it's always a dangerous assumption to say that, you know what, uh, you know, we say that IT security is critically important for us and therefore we must be really good at it because we do it in-house. Most of the time what we find is that uh, most organizations are just simply not following best practices, you know, again, b- b- because of resources. And that's, you know, it's a, it's a dangerous presumption to go into that relationship with. And if you go in with an open mind, you can very quickly see that implementing, you know, carefully documented control points, implementing security in depth, uh, are, are, and, and just complying with best standards will often give you, for relatively low cost, a tremendous improvement in your overall security posture. So, Roji, final question for you. For organizations that are just starting this conversation, where is the best place for them to begin assessing and meeting these new IT infrastructure needs? Uh, I think it's always good to start talking to the uh, to the business. I mean, what we're beginning to see in, in, in the banking space, you know, but, because of consumer behavior and because potentially because of regulations as well, that you know you're, you're you're competing against you know institutions that you potentially didn't compete with earlier. Whether if you're a regional bank who's now you know having to compete against Bank of America or Wells Fargo, or if you're paying against you know we, we, there have been reports of Walmart opening up a banking service. Uh, the key part I think is to keep very very close to your business. Um, it used to be in the legacy IT world. You know, we as IT practitioners would go to the business and say, I need you to define for me in excruciating detail what exactly you need from me, and then I'll go off and build it and deliver it to you a year later. I think in this world where things are changing so quickly, it's important to be, you know, a really, really good business partner and understand that the business probably can't define very clearly what they want to, you know, next week as opposed to, a year from now, and you need to develop an IT infrastructure capability that enables you to respond really quickly, that, that, that enables your, you know, potentially the marketing organization of your bank to run campaigns, experiment, turn things down rapidly when it's not working, and double down on strategies that do. And I think that requires a very, very different mindset from, you know, sort of legacy IT methodology. So certainly talk to your business and understand the competitive pressures that they're under and how you can best respond. Um, and then it's always easiest to, to move to a new IT infrastructure for new applications. I think any new application or service, whether it's interconnected to your legacy environment or not, you should really take a hard look and be very disciplined about whether it's advantageous for you to deliver that internally or not, because that's often a very good stepping point, you know, to create a new ideal infrastructure, uh, you know, in, in, in the cloud or with an, with an outsourced provider, and then gradually migrate your legacy to the new platform over time, I think is a very, very easy way to do it. And then the third thing that we'd say is you've got to be really, really ruthless about understanding your benchmark cost against uh, what, what industry averages are. There are lots of guys who are trying to build internal cloud platforms. If you follow the public cloud pricing market, you know that pricing has absolutely plummeted. You know, at CenturyLink, we've reduced pricing by over 60% in the last year. And looking forward, we have a trajectory to continue decreasing cost over time. 
and this is a you know it's a huge benefit for businesses, but your own internal IT capability needs to be able to map that. And if you don't have a strategy for effectively doing that, I think you probably need to ask some hard questions about whether you should continue doing that internally or not. Roach, that's good practical advice. I appreciate your time and your insight today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Tom. The topic has been securing the new IT infrastructure. I've been talking with Roji Ullman, Managing Director of Financial Services with CenturyLink Technology Solutions. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.